Million Dollar Agent, Tom Panos, John McGrath from News Limited, and today we are doing part two Q and A's. It was fantastic last week. We are in News Limited. Is this what is this called? The White House or something? This is, what do they this, call this? This place? is this is a John, the Oval Room. Never never underestimate it. To you, you're just looking at these rooms. Another you know another four walls carpet. We have got a, a whiteboard there. We got teas. This room here, John, is one of the most influential uh, buildings in the country. What happens out of this building? Um, as News Corp say, we start the daily conversation through all our papers. Oh, I love that. We start the conversation. Do they pay us for that News Corp? Are they our sponsor? We talked last week about a sponsor. Uh, they should well, be sending checks. Well, I can tell you what, they're an organisation that's got money. Fantastic. And John, we've... We're I off, mean, Troy. We're yeah. off to the races well, now. Look, this is good. This. We've got a sponsorship. We're up and running. And, and John McGrath's already got an incredible relationship with the News Corp family. He had Rupert Murdoch speaking at our Mastery that's Conference. Right. We'll have to get him to speak to the... Wasn't the, that great? You know, oh. For those of you that don't know, and probably most don't, because it was a very sort of small, intimate event for principals last year. We had about 150 people in a, in a little room in Sydney and... And some great leaders. I mean, yeah, the list goes on and on. But Rupert Murdoch was the keynote, and uh, and just incredible. I mean, other than the great stuff that that Mr. Murdoch talked about, it was being in the same room as someone who's changed the course of history mm. was kind of very really interesting. And that's when I talk to people about, you know, surround yourself with great advisors and people. Go to seminars and events. Listen to podcasts. You know, Tim Ferriss we spoke about last week. Um, just listen to the thoughts and ideas of people that are thought leaders and, and incredibly successful entrepreneurs. Um, you know, Mark Cuban is a guy I listen to sometimes on podcast. He's a multi-billionaire. What he's done by the age of 40-something is unbelievable. So you just got to expose yourself. So, um, John, you're, you're massive. Stop listening to us and start listening yeah. to successful people. Like <laughs> I think, Troy, was that fair? Fair. 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 No, it's well, right. the, first, the first question that we've we just lost get, our audience. We, well, I'll tell you, we've got one guy that's from England, John. Oh, okay. um, this is coming from the UK. And well, he probably thinks we're successful, so he'll keep listening. Correct. He, he, he doesn't actually know us intimately. Now, this gentleman here actually wrote in, uh, I've actually condensed the question because he spent the first half of the email talking about that one of the reasons he actually listens to the podcast, he enjoys the banter of Troy Malcolm in the conversations. Um, and as I was printing it off, I realised that I actually like it because we can talk and Troy actually can say nothing. And I love those sorts of one-way conversations, right? The day he turns up with a microphone, I'm very concerned. At the moment, he's bad enough without one. So uh, so Troy, Troy Malcolm got mentioned in this. Now, let me read you the How about whenever, Are you and I turning up at places now? Because you and I speak a lot together, which is always fun. We turn up at places and they say, where's Troy? Or is that Troy? Is that, is that, which one's Troy? And I'm thinking, come on, man. Like, you and I... Been- <laughs> We got sixty years experience in this industry. Troy's been around five minutes. Troy, when you got the call up, did you actually ever imagine to yourself that you'd walk into a room and say, "Are you Troy?" The people have spoken. The people have spoken. Okay, Rich. Well, let me tell you. Having recently bought an estate agency, this is the question I have worked in for fifteen years. So this guy's owned this bit, um, has worked in it for just fifteen years. It. Okay. Just bought it. He's mates with everyone. I've gone from friend and colleague to being everyone's boss, which so far has been okay, but I want to spread the positive mindset approach amongst my team. It's just knowing the best way to introduce it. So I think this question, John's got an element of culture. Good question. Um, It's a great question. Well, even if you haven't just bought the business, I think this is, and, and for those of you that haven't read or listened to The Five Temptations of the CEO, by, oh, it's a fantastic book. It's a small book. Um, 
I'll remember his name in a minute, but um, one of the great books that I've ever read. And it does talk about one of the challenges of becoming very close friends with those that are actually meant to be reporting to you and how that gets in the way of true potential being realised. So I think this is a really good question and, and every, every principal in the room to some degree probably has this. Yeah, and I have it because I love all my people, my, my managers, my agents, my support team. I love them all, but there does come time when sometimes you've got to pull someone aside and you've got to you know, let them know that their current work is not acceptable. And it's a hard conversation, so I get this very much. John, you get it really well because in the world of real estate, uh, you were a very young principal. Like, life has changed now. We're seeing younger people come to the industry, but you're a young person, and a lot of the people that you work with in real estate were your age. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you've got yeah. people that are a lot older. So, John, what's, what's, the, um, what's the advice that you're going to give to our, our listener from the UK? Well, I love the fact that they're thinking about this because it sounds like it's everything's fine at the minute, but they're thinking ahead, and I think that's really good. So, a few simple things. Firstly is, yes, there are boundaries. And once you move from the sales floor to the executive on the org chart, you do have to act a bit differently. So, for example, and look, I'm, I'm a bad example because I don't socialise much anyway. Any, you know, that's kind of me. But I think, you know, if you used to have to go out, if you used to go out and have a drink with the guys or the girls on your team, you know, very much, you've got to start wondering about whether or not you can keep doing that. Yeah. Because you might have to, on Monday morning, overhaul someone that's actually done something that's not right and you don't want to have those lines blurred so I think you know you might want to have a think about that going forward um, I, I think having it's a bit like captain coach you know a lot of coaches in sporting teams nowadays were playing and captain of the team five years ago and they still have quite strong relationships this is not you know just in the world of business this happens everywhere I think you've got to separate yourself I think you've got to create an energy that there is a bit of difference um, and I think you've just got to then deal with it on a one-on-one basis because there's no one-size-fits-all. Uh, some people will take advantage of their friendship with you. They'll try and leverage it. You have to deal with that. Other people will do it with unknowingly, just subconsciously. They'll kind of just figure that you know it's business as usual and, and our relationship continues. So I think you've got to do a few things to really indicate to people that it is different. Yeah. So I'll go, for example, obviously things like our awards night, which you know you come to each year. Yeah, I love going to those things, but there's a cut-off point for me, and then I'm kind of out the door type of thing. Um, so, John, look, I know that because I'm I I do know a lot of the guys and girls that work for McGraths. They've been uh, uh, long-term uh, friends of mine, and the one thing is that they're very clear is that they never separate like with authority. Like they understand the importance of having a likable relationship. But I've also had a number of your senior management team is that they know that there's accountability and that there's targets and that uh, people need to have absolute clarity on where they're going and what they're doing. And to our uh, listener from the UK, I would say you've got to look at the currency that you want. If, if the currency is that you want to be liked by everyone, um, that might be difficult because sometimes a good leader does what's not that's what's right, not what's popular. No, no. You want to be respected, not liked. I think is generally yeah. what people say in leadership world, and I think that's very true. They respect you because what that generally means is you listen, you take on board their view, you're respectful, and then you'll make a decision. But it won't always be the popular decision. But you will take into consideration. People respect that. 
So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm delighted this we've got an overseas customer. That's great. John, while it's fresh in my mind, Maguire, the South coach, how old is he? 40, I think. Okay. So he, 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 he's in the younger. One of the reason it's coming to my mind is I'm looking at these, these young young coaches like the Nathan Browns when he got into coaching and he was um, very much a player that was coaching a lot of his uh, friends and he found it very challenging in his first run at the Dragons. You know, he's re-emerged, re-transformed himself, had success overseas. Um, and I think, do you think that you should use his age an issue? Um, or I, you know, I, The reality of age, and I found this when I started, which is one of the reasons I had an extremely young sales team and just general team, is I was intimidated at potentially, I started my business when I was 24. And I, the thought of me managing people that were 35, 45, not that that's old, that's very young itself, but it was going to be 10 or 15 years older than me, was, was probably too much. So I, I started with a really young and experienced team because that felt right for me. So I think there is a reality, but I think you can be a great leader at 30 or you can be a lousy leader at 60. It's around, it's like anything, it's around skill. Just while I, before I forget, Tom, Patrick Lencioni, L-E-N-C-I-O-N-I, yep. uh, is the author of that book, um, The Five Temptations of the CEO. If you, if, you, if you haven't read it, it takes you two hours. If you haven't listened to it, it takes you two hours. Get onto it, download it from Audio, Audible Books or Amazon. Do you think they could sponsor us? Amazon. Potentially, John. They're too they big. They sound like they've got a big bank balance. They're too I'll... big, aren't they? They're not too big, Amazon. But we, we'll be big one day. John. If we keep going. This could be the podcast that other <laughs> podcasts are talking about. So I think Pat, that this all started with a John McGrath phone call on his mobile phone. One Let's morning, do a six forty-five. One the morning. brainchild. John, see, I, see, I know because you're in the five AM club, so you you yourself. So I ring you often at six and six thirty. Correct, the John. What's the next question? Next question here. This is uh, one that's going to go to the heart of our salespeople, particularly ones that want to get more listings and more listing presentations. Uh, a topic I would love to hear your opinions on is prospecting. I'm currently working as an assistant and moving into sales next year. I found that in our core area, 99% of letterboxes are no junk mail. We still letterbox drop no junk mails. Cold Ooh, calling That's major- a big mistake, right? Yeah, well that's... How, how much brand damage is happening there? So before they, we go on with this question, you gotta stop that. We talk about clean business, ethics, integrity, if a, if a member of the community doesn't want junk mail, they should be entitled to that and to actually put junk mail, I guess, because that's what they're referring to, into their letterbox is just turning them irate every time you do it. So first answer halfway through the question is you've got to stop that. Keep okay. going. Okay. Cold calling, majority of, of numbers in the do not call register or most homes don't have home phone numbers anymore. And lastly, door knocking. Most homes in our area have no salespeople on the front doors. I find people are very hard to reach these days when they have no junk mail, no salespeople knocking, and either don't have a home number or an, or are in the do not call register. This is my favorite question we've ever had. Wow. This is my favorite, I'll tell you why. First up, whoever this is, my view is- From Melbourne? From Melbourne, you, you're actually undertaking, but I'm sure everyone makes this mistake. You're undertaking what I think are the three lowest payoff activities in prospecting in a lot of ways. Junk mail that, as they've said already, most people don't want to receive and annoys the community. Cold calling, um, that is ringing people that 
don't want to be rung, 99 out of 100 of them or 999 out of 1,000, and door knocking, which is you know just as annoying for most people when they're about to put on dinner and, and bathe the kids and all of a sudden an agent knocks on the door. So I, I think, I, firstly, congratulations that they're trying to do something. Yeah. And you've got to go in the spirit of that. And, and I applaud them for the fact that a, they're trying to do something, and B, is they're now trying to do it better by writing into us. So well done you on that hand. But I would scrap your current prospecting activity and let's start again. He, here's my view on what a great prospecting uh, activity looks like. And Tom, you've coined the phrase attraction agent in this country a lot. And the first thing you've got to do, in my mind, is you have to be the agent that attracts business while you're asleep and just while you're going about your daily business, people are knocking on your door and sending you emails to list their property. So the first thing is put huge effort into creating raving fans. Every open inspection has got to be a world-class open for inspection. Yeah. Um, by the way, we talked just recently about the Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss interview. One of the things just reminded me, um, they talked about was when you do a presentation, you've got to do it like your first ever presentation because that's a brand new audience and every life can change there. So. Yeah, it's a bit the same here. We, most people listening, they're doing five or ten open for inspections a week. It's easy to get blasé or five or ten auctions, some of them. It's easy to get blasé. You have to do everyone like it's the first open for inspection you've ever done in your life. Yeah. And next one's got to be the first one again. So, small point. So, attraction agent, let's, let's stop doing all these activities which are low payoff. They annoy the community. They frustrate potential Amazing sellers. opens, you said. Amazing opens. Centres of influence, John? Centres of influence is critical. So go into your community. Don't look for the do not disturb register and, and the no junk mail. Look for three, four or five people in your community, and they'll often be a part of the business community, but not always, that are well connected and have the ear of others. So this could be accountants. It could be strata managers. It could be just you know, a long-standing shopkeeper or, or, or someone that's dealing with a lot of people. Matty LaHood loved working those community groups, didn't he? He used to get half a dozen. I've spoken to his team after, Melissa Moore and Karen and some of the people that worked in his team when he was selling. And they said he'd get six or seven listing, genuine listings and or listing leads a month out of his little business networking group, which was eight or nine people once a month, coffee for two or three hours, and just swapping leads and discussing what's happening and building rapport with each other. So I think, you know, firstly, create raving fans everything you do. Secondly is create some centres of influence or start your own little mini business networking group with a few people and just meet on a weekly or monthly basis, whatever works for you and the group. Third thing is past clients. The most neglected demographic group on planet Earth is real estate agents past clients. They don't ring them often. And I've heard, I say, why don't you ring them? Well, I don't want to annoy them. You know, guess what? You spent a month of your life working so hard for this person, you delivered them, I'm expecting and hope, a great result. They thought you were part of the family, you were ringing them every day, you were around at their home, you had a copy of the key to their house, and yet now you sold the property, put a sold sign up, and they've heard from you zero times in three years? That's insanity. Not only do, what do they think about you? They're thinking this person, they after a commission check, they haven't contacted me. I thought they were kind of, we were building a bit of a friendship here. Yeah. So past clients really critical. Um, in that. So raving fans, centres of influence, past clients. Buyers, John? Buyer servicing, well that's almost, Tommy, a part of the, the raving fans scenario, but you, know, you, you have to see that a buyer today is a part of your seller tomorrow. Either they buy a house, they're going to sell in five years' time, or a much short, shorter term is they buy a house and they haven't sold yet, so that could be for you. 
Well, they buy a house, get great service by you, and then when their friend at work says, you know, who did you deal with because I'm looking for a good agent, they become your referral point or they become a mini centre of influence for you. So Dr. Fred Gross, who's coached us for many years, he, he, he posed the question a long time ago. He said, what do you think of when you're showing someone a property? And I foolishly said, I'm thinking of selling them a property. And he said, well, what if you were thinking of selling them 50? And I paused and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, someone that's serviced well and you give amazing, amazing service and a great experience to, not only are they going to use you forever, their friends and family and the people they're going to send to you is going to amass and accumulate over the years and they could well be the conduit between you and 50 more sales in your yeah. career. So if you elevate your thinking to give that experience to people and always value add, and we've talked about Matt LaHood, I mean, Matt's just a genius. He can never stop doing enough for his clients, yeah. his vendors. He keeps in touch with them. He takes them for coffee. He drops them car wash vouchers. He drops them coffee vouchers. He invites them to meet him, and he takes them for lunch all the time. He just he loves that ongoing connection point, and yet most agents avoid it under the crazy um, misbelief that I don't want to annoy them. Guess what, Tom? I think annoying them is when you ring them up and say, Tom, I just wanted to touch base to see whether you're thinking of selling or if you yeah. know anyone that is. <clears throat> By the way, I think that would be kind of annoying if I was that person. Yeah. If you just said, Tom, just wanted to touch base, just see how the family was, you're enjoying it, just thought I'd let you know that we sold a couple of homes just like yours in the street for about $1.5 million recently, so I thought I'd just keep you updated because I like to keep all my clients in the loop as to what's happening in their market. That conversation is value-add. Yeah. It's not overtly looking for a referral, but of course, they're going to say to you, by the way, my neighbour's thinking of selling, I should introduce you to them, if, if it comes to mind. But you, you don't, don't have, have to, to ask, chase John, it. You don't have to ask. Your behaviour shows that you're an active person that is interested in doing work. You don't actually have to use some tricky gimmick line to try and get them to say something. And I think uh, you've summed it up. Knocking on doors, interrupting strangers that don't want to talk to you is probably not the most effective thing that you can be doing in your real estate yeah. life. And this motto, attraction agent, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. If you're an attraction agent, you've got two mums picking up kids from school now that are probably having a conversation about who they're going to list with. That's yeah. where listings are won and lost. Yeah. You've got people at footy practice talking about the great result that was sold on Saturday at an auction. That's where listings are won and lost. So and that's a good couple of little ideas there. You just mentioned sort of a community initiative. <clears throat> Some of our guys sponsor, as I know many other principals do, little football teams around the corner. For $500, you can often buy the whole team jersey and shorts, put your name on it and your mobile number. If you turn up and support them, and maybe if your kids even better, if your kids are a part of the, the team or the, or the school or the community, I mean, these are great things. These are where people congregate in the community and they network with each other and they build relationships. And so for $500, investing in, in a school or a foot sporting team or, or something like that can be a great little initiative, as long as you just don't write the cheque and forget so about it. So it's not about the cheque, is it? It's about you being there? You've got to participate. Yeah. I mean, I, I walked down to Bronny Beach. I did the Bondi to Bronny walk last Sunday, and I saw one of our competitors had put up um, Phillips Pans, Alex Phillips, who's a great agent, Alex. Uh, used to work for us many years ago. Wish he still was. He's writing about $3 million a year. <laughs> anyway, he's got his own company now. Good luck to him. And, he, and he's a great guy. And he's in, he's in business with um, Jason and, uh, and Debbie. Debbie Donnelly, right? Uh, who, Debbie used to work for us also. Anyway, they've done a really good thing. And I don't know how much it cost them, but at Bronte, they've put up this uh, nice little mini marquee. I was showing Troy earlier today the photo of it. Uh, it's really good. And they were there doing, the, not the agents, but the community was doing the sausage sizzle and they were 
So I would imagine for a couple of thousand dollars, that's amazing exposure into the community and all the kids are doing nippers and the parents are there on a Sunday morning and it's packed like Pitt Street. So I think definitely don't, in summary, do not call people that don't want to be called on the register. Do not put mail into mail. I mean, for we would sack our, because we do some direct mailing. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm saying putting it in no junk mail. I would sack a, a letterbox delivery if they did that, because that is just not what we do. Yeah. So I think, uh, anyway, good question. I love the Great. question, and hopefully they got a different perspective on, on prospecting. You're a bit of a, I was, as you were answering that, I was just thinking about what you were saying about Alexander Phillips and other people. It's a bit of a, a Macquarie Bank real estate makers in that business of yours. There's been a lot of good <laughs> agents right. out of there, isn't there? You look at, you know. I could have retired if they were all still with me, I yeah. know. I mean, you should have set up an Amway <laughs> business. You should be having royalties on every sale. Oh, God. Look, no, look, yeah, the nice thing, Tom, seriously on that is, is that, you know, the vast majority we're still friends. I mean, obviously we compete. But when I catch up with them, it's great. I mean, I see Gary Sands from Di Jones, Pauline Goodyear, Debbie Donnelly. They're all great people. Alex, um, Ivan and Shannon Pallia. at Bresic, Michael Pallia. No, no more. I'll start crying. <laughs> Alrighty. On that note, I've just gonna... added up the lost GCI <laughs> <laughs> over the last five years. John, what are we doing? You know what, John? We wouldn't be looking for a sponsor. <laughs> Guys, girls, we'll see you next week. <laughs>